Hello everyone. Today, um, for this market tidbits, we are going to talk about mobility in China. Mobility is a big thing. Uh, we are seeing um, in the world Uber, um, but in China, we are seeing Didi. And Didi won the battle over Uber in China, taking actually some shares worldwide and uh, Uber sitting at the board of Didi in China. But the market of mobility is much bigger than only one player, only Didi. And you have uh, so, uh, um, ride link, but also food delivery and many other uh, segments. So what, what, when we talk about mobility, uh, Alison, what are we talking about? So I would define mobility as services related to getting things from point A to point B. So this is, first, this is ride hailing, like you mentioned, um, Didi. This is also food delivery, and this is also parcel delivery. And so this is companies that have the infrastructure to get things from point A to point B, whether it's for, with a car or with a scooter. And so often what we will see is these companies, they will try to um, get onto each other's territory. So in the West, we do have Uber, which now does food delivery. But in China, we have not had as successful of a case of a ride hailing company getting into food delivery and vice versa. So it's a, all, all parts of mobility are, are pretty interesting and dynamic and competitive. And so we looked at the different barriers and the different market dynamics of each sector of the mobility market. What about the numbers? How, for China, every time we look at China, we, 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 we talk about numbers, usually big numbers, but surprisingly sometimes, uh, numbers are not as high as we would expect. Uh, for instance, that's the case when we look at uh, the Chinese traveler, even if 2020 is very special, but even before 2019, uh, it has always been um, less than what people would expect uh, based on population 1.4 billion. Is it the case for uh, ride hailing market and, um, and, and mobility? Are we talking about sizable numbers or is still in infancy? Well, I do have some big numbers to share with you. So, um, at the most, the mobility market reached just over 400 million ride-hailing users. So that's about a third, of, um, a third of China's population. So that's pretty sizable. But I think what we do see is that this is definitely, it's very saturated in the high tier cities and uh, big cities, but there's a lot of room to grow in tier three and tier four cities. For food delivery, this is, reaches even more people so there's, um, at the end of 2019, there was about 460 million Chinese food delivery consumers, which is um, a couple dozen million more than red hailing. So it has a little bit more market penetration. And of course, parcel delivery, that is simply using the mail. So that service has been along, around for a long time. So it also has a very high uh, market penetration, but um, what we see is people in low tier cities are less likely to use some of the more unique services that deliver across the city. And they're more likely to just use the regular services that everybody already uses, which is to send things to other cities across the country. So the new mobility, um, tools, um, which are decentralized through an app, um, are are actually widely used in China. When we look at the numbers where you say 300, 400 million, uh, depending on what service we are talking about, it's basically 
the size of the middle class in China. It's basically um, half of the size of uh, urban population. And when we talk about urban population, we talk about senior people, we talk about children. So what will not use them. So basically it's, the penetration is very, very high within, within cities. We can say that it's close to saturation even um, when we look at adult population. Um, when we look at uh, the drivers, um, so we, we, you talked about the users. Uh, what about the drivers? Because uh, as far as I understand, uh, it's not a full-time job. You, you might have a lot of people um, doing that part-time or um, even doing that uh, sometime in their life. How many people are you talking about and what kind of demographics? So we have um, an estimated 30 million registered drivers operating in the market. So that's about um, a little bit more than the population of Shanghai. And that's for the whole country. So in the drivers, they tend to be a little bit older than the passengers. The average passenger age is from 21 to 40 years old, but then the drivers are usually from 31 to 40 years old. Um, yes, it's not always a full-time job and it is a little bit of a gig economy. So there's a lot of, there's some flexibility in the market, but it's, um, it's pretty, there's a lot of diversity between the different ride hailing brands um, in the way that they hire drivers and the amount of drivers that they have. That's something su which surprised me. Uh, in, in our research, we um, uh, looked at a, a player called Kakao and seen that they are the eco-friendly competitor. Um, yeah. Is it, is, it, is it something in China that people would consider before uh, taking a car, if it's an eco-friendly or if it's uh, have an impact on society, saying that uh, they have a bit more uh, female users. Uh, is it is it um, is it some something happening in China? So I think in this case, um, yeah, the company you're talking about, Cao Cao Chuxing, um, they do they are a little bit smaller, and they do focus on eco-friendly car hailing services for both individuals and enterprises. And they do proportionally have more female users, whereas competitors like Didi and Didaxing both have more male users. Um, so it is a very interesting trend. We will see where it goes. Um, some would say some could argue that the eco-friendly consumption is a part of the consumption upgrade, uh, where not only do you want to buy things that are nicer for yourself, but you also want to have a guilt-free consciousness. And I also think that. Um, you know, China has a lot of, it, it has a big initiative to have a lot of electric vehicles on the streets and there's a lot of incentives to, from the government to have more electric vehicles. And so I think they're very in fashion right now and anything that's eco-friendly is, is becoming fashionable. So we'll see where that goes in the future. It would be interesting case to follow indeed. I, I see that the market would switch to a more eco-friendly if in terms of pricing, in terms of offering is similar. Um, there, is a, there is interest in, in doing good and having a, an impact, positive impact in society and that would be good to follow up on Kakao. Um, what other um, elements are in the, to analyze the market? So we look at um, individuals for their own travel. Uh, there is um, another segment which is food delivery and another segment which is parcel delivery. How do you analyze the food delivery market and how is it impacted by, by COVID? That's one of the markets which may, might have been positively impacted. 
so the food delivery market, um, it's dominated by two main players, which is Olima and Meituan. And so, yeah, um, during COVID-19, it was still negatively impacted in a way because overall people were eating out less, whether that's delivery or just eating out. But the proportion of, of eating restaurant food was way more on the side of delivery. So it is not as hurt as restaurants were, but it could it could have started off a trend of maybe acquiring a lot of new users, first time users who have now downloaded the app. The friction is of downloading the app is deleted, and so they can just use it a second, third, fourth time very easily, even though the the pandemic is over in China. That's a very good point, actually. Um... It's very hard to get people to download your app. It's very hard to uh, push them uh, reusing it. But the, the, the first step is to get them download the app. And that may, might have happened with COVID. And I remember that in one of your reports, we tried to understand how COVID would impact you. And we got something wrong. It was the fact that um, food delivery grew bigger for them, at least was a very good substitute for the closing of their restaurant. Do you have a bit more insight on what Yum did? Yeah, so Yum China, which owns uh, KFC and Pizza Hut in China, they have multiple forms of delivery. And so uh, they started doing delivery as early as 2001. And in 2015, they finally started using Meituan and Olema. So they were already doing delivery before it was the cool thing to do. And currently they use a hybrid delivery model, which means that they get the orders from third-party platforms like Meituan and Olema, but then they use their own delivery driver. So in China, you will still see like a Pizza Hut driver driving around. And so because of this, they get the best of both worlds with the visibility of third-party apps, but then they also save the cost when they use their own logistics system. True. Actually, the, the Meituan and Olema are not only um, proxies for delivery, they are also a proxy to get clients, people, because people find um, their, their restaurants and the dishes they would get to get delivered on the app. Right, yeah. And so this gives um, Yum China's restaurants a lot of visibility because you might hop on the app not knowing what to eat and you'll see Pizza Hut or KFC and you'll think, okay, that sounds good. And if you choose them, that gives them a lot of visi visibility. Whereas um, they, but then they also at the same time, they don't, they don't uh, pay the cost of having Olima or Meituan do the delivery for them because they have their own delivery drivers. And Metwana Olema is counting for 90% uh, of the market share for food delivery, as it is written in our report. Um, is it, um, is it uh, representing again the fight between the two giants, Tencent and Alibaba, behind, behind those two players? Yes, so Metwan and Olema are both backed by giants. Metwan is backed by Tencent and Olema is backed by Alibaba. So it is another way. It is another way for the big tech battle in China to play out. For parcel delivery, I feel the 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 game is a bit different because it seems to have grown earlier. Uh, I've been a bit less impacted by new players, startups, scale ups um, like uh, Netone, like Didi, but 
grew more with um, past, let's say, uh, past internet, pre-internet, sorry, pre-internet or older uh, players like SF, Shunfang uh, Express. Uh, is my understanding correct? And how is it playing? Um, how that has the dynamics in the parcel delivery? The parcel delivery, in contrast to food delivery, has a very low market concentration. So the largest competitor is SF Express, and they only take 15% of the market. So there's a lot of different delivery uh, companies that, um, and they both, they all cost about the same, which is pretty cheap. And what's interesting about delivery is our focus for our research was not just um, on the companies themselves, but mostly on the new developments happening in the parcel delivery market. And some of those de developments are self-service mailboxes and a new service called Flash X, which uh, is a way to deliver documents across the city instead of having it sent in the formal mail. So it's using the same kind of idea of, of food delivery where you just have a driver on a scooter get from point A to point B and you are the only person whose goods they're handling. What other challenges do you see um, in, the, um, in the industry? So I think for the parcel delivery, um, for one going on Flash X, uh, their business model, it's, they do face a lot of challenges. Um, firstly, the insufficient uh, laws in China, it is not really clear, legally it is not really clear what exactly what types of goods they are handling and so if the goods are damaged or if the consumer needs to make a complaint it is a little bit unclear how do they go about doing that who should pay for it and who has the rights to um, a refund it's it's not as straightforward as you know regular mail like sf but the bonus on the other side being it'll only take a half day to get your goods delivered um, and then also for Flash X and new, more innovative services like that, is that in lower tier cities, people are less likely to use it because they only have to walk a couple blocks across the city or bike across the city to get the good delivered. So why would they pay for somebody else to do that? Versus in Shanghai, oftentimes people are very busy with long work days and um, lots of different activities and spending time with family and the city can be it's a pretty big city and so I think there's more potential for Flash X first in the large cities definitely but there's really not as much hope in lower tier cities and that's kind of the trend that we see with a lot of these mobility apps um, like ride hailing and food delivery and the new parcel delivery technologies is that they are let they have less consumption in lower tier cities. Interesting. Uh, indeed, regulation is something we, um, a lot of, few reports are looking at when they analyze the market, but that's very impacting how easy people transact uh, and um, Taobao was great at um, making the transaction possible and for, um, for those kind of accidents where delivery is not uh, in satisfa satisfactory condition, indeed, it's not very clear who is responsible and, and what to do. Um, that's still still things uh, that uh, have to progress within the Chinese market and are truly changing currently. Um, 
when we look at the future, uh, any insight on uh, the self-driving car or any new technology coming up, like delivery by drones or self-driving car, or is it's more about advertising so far? The research that we have done is more um, examining the current market. Um, there has been some use of delivery drones, especially um, in Wuhan during the initial outbreak of COVID-19. Um, I believe it was JD actually used drones to deliver some hospital equipment. So I think that drones, they're, they're pretty close and it seems that the technology is there, but they just need to maybe sort out some safety and some um, you know, legal issues, um, like what are the risks of having drones flying over people's heads and what if it drops something? So there's a lot of risk there that they need to sort out in order for people to be comfortable enough to use them on a regular basis. True. That would be the next step of a very exciting um, innovation in this industry. Thank you, Alison, for being with us. And uh, you can find the report on SlideShare and also on our website. What's the name of the report exactly? It's just called Mobility in China. Okay. Thank you very much, Alison. Yep. Thank you.